How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. Hello, everybody. We hope you're doing well. I'm Parker. And I'm Max. And welcome to Better Than Citizen Kane, the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question, is it better than Citizen Kane? If you like Citizen Kane, that's fine because we're not here to hate on it. But when every movie ever made is a reasonable contender for the title of greatest film of all time, you have to wonder, better than Citizen Kane. Listeners, would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? (laughs) And I'm lifting up my left hand here. I just, okay. K-A-N-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Kane did drop the snow globe onto the ground. Now I'm raising my right hand. R-O-S-E. You see this sled, dear hearts? This sled has memories that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends. The sled rosebud. Now watch and I'll show you the story of Citizen Kane 1941. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging. One against the other. Now watch them. Oh, brother left hand, Kane, he's a fighting, and it looks like Rose Bud's a goner. But wait a minute, wait a minute, hot dog Rosebud's a winning. Yes siree, it's Rosebud that won, and old left hand Kane is down for the count, because today we're talking the, the Night of the Hunter, 1955. Okay, so real quick, <laughs> listeners, um... Max surprises me with these every week, and we I, have. He I, just, he's... I type them in white text, and then I, <laughs> right as Parker says, "Better than Citizen Kane," I highlight it so that we can both read it. So I see this in real time, and usually, like, it's a little blurb, and I'm excited to see what he does. He highlights it, and it is a block of text this time. I don't even register what it is I'm looking at. I'm just like, "What is he doing?" And then it clued in. <laughs> It, 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 it doesn't work in the audio medium. <laughs> but I thought it would be funny. It's funny. It's very funny. Well done. Well, yeah, the, that was a reference to today's film, The Night of the Hunter, for those of you who don't know. I think for the most part, people who listen to our show that I've talked to just skip the ones if they haven't seen the movie. That's what I've gathered, yeah. Um, so I don't I don't think we're going to lose anybody there, but... Um, no. <sighs> Night of the Hunter, Parker. Night of the Hunter. <laughs> 1955. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Robert Mitchum in a role that was very different from his previous roles, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Kind of doing a vertigo here. Yeah, a little uh, bit, a little bit. He's really good in it. He's really Real good scary guy. Ah. <laughs> uh, Parker, you have an interesting history with this movie. Why don't why don't you get into that? Yeah, so I watched this movie for the first time when I was not like super young, but I think I was 12 or 13. And I watched it and it scared me so bad because as we've already established before, I'm sitting at home alone in my room at night watching on my computer. Watching film classics. Watching film classics in the dark. And I'm watching this probably close to midnight, and they just, I don't know, just got under my skin. Just yeah. really, really freaked me out. I finished the whole thing. I watched it. Yeah. But I think I just, like, blocked it out. Like, I knew I had seen this movie. I remembered almost nothing about it other than, like, 
moments and images. And then last year, you came to me and said, hey, yeah. you should watch this movie, um, which kind of led in there. So I'll, I'll finish up mine, but you fill in the gap. What, what's your opinion yeah. this movie? Yeah, so I... This was one of those movies that, again, it was at a time, I think it was like September, October of 2021. That year, 2021 is the year that I like started watching movies, capital W, capital M. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I was sitting at home and I just went, I'm going to watch a movie and I'm going to turn off my phone and I'm going to like watch a movie. And I watched not The Night of the Hunter, but I watched um, There Will Be Blood. And that like unlocked this like desire in me to just seek out good movies and watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I like around the time I got on Letterboxd kind of and like, you know. So anyway, I was just kind of looking for movies that were like really like I'd heard were good. And The Night of the Hunter was on a list. It's in the Criterion. And I was like, ooh, this sounds cool. I think I had already seen Out of the Past at that point, mm-hmm. uh, which also has Mitchum. Uh, and I think I was like, oh, this has Robert Mitchum in it. Cool. And I rented it and I watched it. And my dad kind of came down. He was living with my parents at the time. And he came down and he was like, oh, I'll give this a watch. And we watched it together. And at first we were kind of like, you know, there's some performances in this that are kind of like over the top. Um, especially like Mrs. Spoon. Uh, and we were kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird. Mm. And then at a certain point in the movie, we both just kind of stopped uh, laughing at it um, and then at the end I think he was like this thing is scary and I never want to see it again it really affected him I don't know maybe that's not true maybe I'm misremembering mm. I don't know I know he's listening if you want me to say that but we were both we were both really affected by it mm-hmm. um, and so I it was like one of the first I want to I want to say like one of the first criterions I bought was the night of the hunter and then later I think in yeah in 2022 I was like Hey, let's watch this, and we watched it. Uh, yeah. So, so, and then I guess you should finish your 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 story, your part of the story. Yeah, just you you brought it over, and suddenly, like all it was, it's such a strangely visceral experience of like yeah. watching something that lives in the back of your head for you know yeah. more than a decade. Like this, is, I hadn't watched this in fourteen, almost fifteen years, yeah. and then suddenly, like. Oh no, I've seen this. I've yeah. seen this and it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know, it was super fun revisiting it. And since then, like it, it's just been like actively living in my head rent-free for the past like year. Yeah. It's one of those. It's really good. It's really um, good. Yeah, I love that. I love that you saw this when you were a kid. I mm. feel like, I don't know, in some ways that's the perfect age and also uh the worst age. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, precisely, precisely yeah. right. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so that's that's my history with the movie. And I'm very glad that you uh, reintroduced me to it. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, I think I even put that on my letterbox, like the first time I was like, I'm counting this as my first watch. Like I saw it. Yeah. I didn't really like I, it, this is this is a clean slate. So, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. I think. Yeah, I th- um, who do you want to do the little recap that we do here? Um, I mean, you're welcome to, but if you'd like okay. to jump Okay, yeah, in. I can do a little recap on it. Um, yeah. Well, okay, but also, how was it watching it this time? Uh, now that, you know, on this watch for the show, you obviously had it more fresh in your memory. It had lived in your head, for, like, rent-free for mm-hmm. a year. Uh, what was it like going back to it for this? Uh, really good. Really, really good. Um, came back to it almost exactly a year later. 
Like I think wow. he showed it to me in August, like beginning of August last year, and then I watched it, you know, obviously end of August this year. Yeah, wow. So yeah, very interesting. Um, it was it was really good revisiting it. Um, I I think initially I had given it a four and a half, and then yeah. this watch around. There's still some things that I'm not like just rub against me a little bit yeah um, which we'll get into as we go through but like i think i bumped it to a five this time because i was just yeah. like man this thing is just i don't know it's so mesmerizing it's so it like, is dr it's it's dreamlike and nightmare like in such a specific way that yeah. i really love and like knowing you know, having memories of it this time around and like knowing what was happening and where things were going. Like it just, I don't know. I liked it a lot. And, um, I think specifically, like I really took note of the pacing this time around in an yeah. interesting way. Like that stood out to me more this time. Yeah. I, I would love to hear about that. And in fact, actually, I think, I think I'll have, I think, I think you should recap it. I'd oh. like to hear you recap it if that's okay. Yeah. By all means. Um, yeah. please, fill in as we go because I, I i i watched this i just come back from like an all-day shoot and Oof. so i watched i was like all right i'm gonna watch this and it was kind of late i was still there obviously like i'm still with it yeah. but if, if there's anything i missed oh, okay. it's just like patching my holes yeah um, we'll tag we'll tag team it yeah, yeah it'll be great so the movie opens with uh a very like uh, an apt stylistic choice for the 50s which is just kind of these floating heads in the abyss in space. Um, yeah, in space. And you've got uh, Lillian Gish, who is talking directly to camera, speaking to a group of children. And, and she's telling the them. five children are also, their heads also floating. Yeah, they're also just floating around <laughs> in space. There's stars behind them. Um, and she's basically just telling them, if I remember correctly, she's telling them, like, hey, you know, the Bible tells us to, like, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing who, like, appear to you. Yeah, is, and like is that, false yeah. prophets. Mm -hmm, false prophets. I think she ends on false prophets. Yeah, and as she's saying this, we get like the main musical motif sting of uh, Harry Powell, which is like this big, intense, percussive, like brass. Yeah. Whenever he comes around. It's this, what I assume to be a helicopter shot of some kind, you know, very yeah. high up, looking down at him as he's going down the road in his little car. Yeah. Um, and we meet Reverend Harry Powell. And we're introduced to him with him. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. The opening shot is little boys playing. Yes. There's then a helicopter get, shot yes. of some little mm -hmm. boys playing around a house and yeah. they're going to play hide and seek. One of them goes to hide in the cellar. Mm -hmm. um, and then like he doesn't go in and the other kid runs up. And he goes, what's wrong? And then he points and there's like the legs of a dead woman in the cellar. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Then we cut to. Yeah. Then we cut to Harry Powell going down the road and he's talking Talking to himself, but he's talking to God, essentially. Yeah. He's talking out loud, and he, he's, yeah, he's saying, Lord, I am tired. And he's talking about how, you know, he's like, you, you, always, you always lead me where I need to go. You yeah, know, he's you, like, what'll it, be the, what'll it be this time? Another widow? And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so he, so he, he kills. Yeah, he killed yeah, this lady, and he kills, he kills widows, and he always he says, like, whenever I need money, you always lead me to it. You know, a widow with a little money stowed away in the sugar bowl. Like, yeah. And it's always, I think he frames it here. He mentions it later as well, but like here, I think is the first time where he talks about like, you always leave me money to like spread your word. Like that's how he's framing this whole thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then he and then he talks about things that God hates, and he says, and "There's nothing that you hate more than lace and perfume, mm-hmm. and like womanly things, basically." Yeah, this guy hates women. Right, and then hard cut to him in like a burlesque club. Yeah, sitting in the audience. One of those watching. classic, like Depression era burlesque clubs where it's just like a woman holding a thing. Yeah, dancing around in a circle, and all the men are like, "Wow, this really gets me like, going." Just like glaring, but they're just kind of sitting there, and he's watching it, and he slips his hand into his pocket, like he grips his hand. You see his knuckles that says yep. "hate" on his hand, on his left hand, love on, on his, his left right. hand. Yeah. But it specifically it frames his left here. Yep, and it slips his hand to his pocket, and he opens a switchblade that you know rips through his jacket pocket. Yeah, uh, very very phallic. Right, and initially it was supposed to be, I think, through his pants. And then, Mm. I can't remember who it was on the production team, was like, okay, actually, we can't do that. Yeah, that's a little little much for (laughs) next. It has to be be in the coat pocket. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so, you know. Yeah, so he does that, and a police officer walks up and says, hey, are you the one driving that car outside? And he's like, yeah, and you get a wipe transition to him in court, and you find out he stole the car, and he gets sentenced to... 30 days in jail and he's like harry powell sent you the 30 days and he's like he's like reverend harry powell and he's like reverend he's like stealing a car picked up where you were and he turns to like court stenographer he's like harry powell he's like you're yeah. not a reverend you're not a man of the cloth like what are you yeah. talking about that's really good um and i just like i love that first scene because it does such a good job of wrapping up how everybody all of the adults in this movie are always missing the forest for the trees. Like, yeah, he gets arrested, but he got arrested for stealing a car when he fully was going to murder this woman on stage. And like that happened. There's so much of that in this movie where like characters will catch him up in little lies and little things, but they're absolutely missing like the huge big picture of what a monster this guy is. Yeah. And I just think this, I I think that first scene just does a really good job of like setting that up of like, okay, totally. He'll get a slap on the wrist, but like there is a blind eye. Like people are completely unaware of the greater atrocities that this guy is, you know, performing, which carries yeah. throughout the rest of the film. Um, then from there, uh, we go and we see two little kids playing in their yard. This is um, John and Pearl, mm-hmm. and as they're playing, um, their father. Pulls ben. up in a car. Yeah, ben, Ben Harper. He pulls up and uh, the first thing John says, and he says, Pa, you're bleeding. And he's got like a big splat of blood like right in his chest, basically. And um, he's like, he's like, all right. He's like, where, where, where to put it? And he's holding like, he's holding wads of money, like yeah. just stacks and stacks of bills. And he's searching around frantically. He's like, where do I put it? He's like, you know, but the, the, the cobblestone behind the shed. No, no, they'd look there. And he's trying to find all these places. And then his eyes spot something off screen. He says, yeah, there, there, that'll do, that'll be. And we don't see where he puts it. Yeah. But then he stands back up and he tells, he grabs John and he says, you promise you never, you swear you're never going to tell. Like swear on your life, you're never going to tell. Swear that you're going to protect Pearl, you know, watch after her. And he says, I swear, Pa. And he's like, Pearl, you, you swear too. You got to promise me you'll never tell where the money's hidden. And she said, okay. And as they're doing all of this, the police roll up and they pull their guns out and they're like, all right, Ben, like, we don't want, we don't want any trouble. Like, yeah. Give themselves up. And the kids are confused and scared. And well, they also say on. like, drop the gun. We don't, we wouldn't want the kids hurt. 
Yeah, exactly. Which is like interesting of like they might be alluding to Ben, but also like it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's this weird sense of danger and chaos yeah. going on. Because uh, he also asks, "Where's your mother?" And they go, "She's out shopping." That's yeah. the first thing that he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah anyway. mom, mom's out, uh, and so he gives himself up, and they take his gun and you know forcefully you know push him to the ground and john is traumatized by this and he's just yeah. he's like don't don't like he starts you know yelling crying yeah and dad like he watches them take his dad away and they just leave him like they don't do anything to like help the kids or like stick around and like yeah well as, the mom, as this happens the mom, the mom walks shows up. up yeah yeah like right at the tail end of this and they just leave um and then you get another like wipe dissolve and we see Ben in front of the same judge and you find out that he murdered two men while he was robbing a bank and yep. uh he goes to the same uh prison the same penitentiary uh yeah. that um Harry Powell is at currently yeah. and they end up being cellmates and what we gather through just kind of subtext is that somewhere in this window of them overlapping Harry Powell finds out that, you know, he stole some money. He finds out what he was in for. Yeah. Well, and we open with, we, with them in the cell, we cut to Ben being asleep and talking to his, talking in his sleep and saying like, and, and a child shall lead them. Mm-hmm. And he keeps and, asking, where's the money? Yeah. Where is it? <laughs> ben wakes up and just clocks Powell because he, Powell's on like the upper the bunk, bunk bed. falls <laughs> off. Uh, and they have a conversation. And Ben says, this is interesting because Ben says he's like, the only reason I killed those people is like, the only reason I robbed the bank is he's like, I got sick of seeing kids wander in the streets because this is this in the mm-hmm. depression. He's like, I got sick of kids starving on the streets, basically. Yeah. Right? And he's yeah. like, and I promised myself I would never see my kids starve. Yeah. And like, now they'll never have to. Like, that was the idea. That was the goal. Right. Um, and he, he tells uh, he tells John that when he before he gets taken away, he's like, that money's going to be yours one day. Like, you know, right. this, this is for you. Um, and Powell is like, well, can you imagine? He's like, you know, imagine what I could do with ten thousand um, dollars. And again, ten thousand dollars is already a lot of money in the Great Depression. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I haven't sat down and like done the inflation calculation, but yeah. it's you almost, haven't you no, haven't just sat down with not. your abacus and your big old timey calculator and Look, done the numbers. All right, I I I've, I've been I've been busy, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Powell is he's going on and on. He's like, I could make the grandest church to the Lord and all these things, and you know, I'd help the children. He says, Would you? Would you really? And yeah. Ben doesn't buy it for a second. Like Ben yeah. sees through this guy. Well, ben even asks, like, what you know, what 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 scripture or what religion do you preach? And mm-hmm. Powell says, something I've worked out with the Lord just between the two of us, or something yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like super sus vibes from this guy. And Ben yeah. is like, all right, man. He's like, okay, dude, whatever. And he um, rolls up a sock. It's really he great. He's like, yeah, preacher, keep talking. And he mm-hmm. stuffs a sock in his own mouth, and then he just goes to sleep. So that he won't talk in his sleep. Um, So that all happens. And then uh, they hang Ben. Ben dies. Um, And then what's interesting is we follow the guard who was like oversaw the hanging, mm -hmm. which was interesting. Where like he goes home to his wife. And she's like really despondent. He's really despondent about it. Like, I can't remember exactly what the scene, like what he says. He he says something along the lines of like, I think I need to quit being a guard. Like, I just, I think I need to, like, I don't like how this is making me feel and I want to be around for our kids or whatever. And she's like, yeah. oh, and you go go back to the mine and die? Like, yeah. not on your life. Like, you're staying right here. 
this is much more safe and secure. Like I know. And she's like, you only get this way after a hang game. Like, you know, she, she acknowledges that like, you'll be fine. You're just, this always throws you in a funk. Um, yeah. And it's this kind of weird little aside that sort of gets like, it gets a resolution at the end of the movie, which we'll talk about that feels kind of unnecessary. It does. But also I think a key part of it is that he goes in and he looks at their kids and it's Mm -hmm. two kids in the bed. Cause this movie is very much about children. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's something that's obviously very important that they linger on is like him. Yeah. It's it it kind of it kind of implies that like the real reason he's having a tough time with this is that he just, you know, hung a father. And he's like, oh, you know, this this guy had kids and now they don't have a dad anymore. Yeah. But it is like an interesting and like what the resolution is later. You're still like, that's it. All right. Yeah. You're like, okay, huh? Weird. Um. In any case, we go back and visit the kids in the hometown and uh, the mothers pulled them out of school because the school children are just having a field day with yeah. this. They all Singing sit around. songs about hanging. Mm-hmm. They draw little st- uh, chalk figures on the brick walls of, you know, hangmen, nooses and everything. And just like, we're just really being terrible to these two children <laughs> who just lost their father. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And like even even the adults in the town, as they see them, are like everybody's asking, like, "Do you ever find out what your you know that thieving father of yours did with the money?" Like everybody hates Ben around <laughs> yeah. here, and it's I don't, it just sucks. It sucks for these poor children. Um, and obviously, their mother is completely distraught and doesn't know what to do. And she confides in the town busybody, Mrs. Mrs. Spoon, Spoon. who's such a funny character. Just. Like, just the worst lady. She's yeah. But she's I, so I funny. She is very she has lots of really, really good little And her we'll get bits. to Walt. We'll get to Walt Spoon. <laughs> we'll get to Walt Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, so so they're pulled out of school, the kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh and they go to the ice cream parlor run by the spoons. Um and uh there's the kind of there's uh, there's these, you know, there's, there's these like little moments of like, when they stop, they're looking at like a watch in the window that John really likes. And like Pearl asks if they can get ice cream. And there's these moments of like John thinking about it. And then he's like, no, we can't do that. And I hadn't clocked it until this watch that like, he's wanting to spend the money. Right. Like he knows yeah. he has it. And he's like, I could buy anything. I could get a watch. I could get us ice cream right now. But like, he's trying to be the, He's trying to be an adult. He's trying to be the man of the house yeah. now. Yeah. At like age nine or 10 or however yeah. he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Which I just, I hadn't, I hadn't fully clocked that until this most recent Yeah, me watch, neither. Yeah. Which I just thought was really interesting. Uh, what, what were you laughing about? Oh, I was just going to make a stupid bit. I was oh. just going to say, of course, <laughs> Big Spoon owns the ice cream parlor. <laughs> of course. Anyway. Oh, uh, that's funny. Um, so they pop into the ice cream parlor and, uh, their mom, Willa is talking to Mrs. Spoon and Mrs. Spoon is giving her a hard time. Like you can't be a single mother. Like you have children to take care of. Like you need a man around. You need somebody to take care of things. And she's like, I'm not in any rush to get married again. Like I, I am pretty upset about all of this. This is all still very, very fresh for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think they have another one of those, like, it's funny the first time you watch it and then, like, 
as it goes on and does this more and more, like, again, kind of like you were talking about your experience with your dad, like, you, you kind of get in with it a little bit more, of Mrs. Spoon has some line about, like, well, you know, you've just got to be open to it. Like, the Lord's going to bring you the right man. And then it hard cuts to a train yes. with the ominous music of Harry Pound. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and the train's, like, on its way, and it's got, like, the uh -huh. smoke billowing out. It's really, it's a great shot of the train. It's a great shot of the train. It's just that cut specifically is kind of funny. It of is. Just like, you'll find the right man. It's like the devil is on his way. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts back to them and she's like, I don't know. Or something yeah, else. There's like other stuff. It yeah, cuts it back comes to the, back. And then, and then she's like, well, you know, whatever. The Lord will provide. And then it cuts back to the train. It's like, bom, bom. And it's like the train's yeah. getting closer. Um, yeah. yeah. So that night, uh, John tells Pearl a story because she says she can't sleep, and he tells her a story about a king who is taken away and leaves right. his son and his daughter gold and you know gives them an order to defend the treasure and all this stuff. And as he's saying this, there's, again, this movie's use of lighting. We're going to talk about it later. I have yeah. so much to say about this. But like yeah. as he's saying this, you get the crispest profile silhouette of Harry Powell's, like, with his flat hat. brim hat yeah. and his face at the window behind him. Like huge blown up across the mm -hmm. room and Pearl like shocked, like is yeah, shocked points and points and at it. And John goes and looks out the window and I'm getting chills talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just standing outside at like the corner fence of the property. Yeah, he's like leaning against a lamppost yeah, looking, he's looking at the window. Them. And then he starts singing, mm -hmm. leaning on the everlasting arms. Uh, yeah. it is slow, slow little melody that he does. It's terrifying. And, and John just goes, oh, it's just a man. Yeah, <laughs> and then he climbs dude. into bed and I'm like, John. And like, the thing, and I'll get into more of this later, but like the thing yeah. that I love about like that two shot of like his shadow on the wall, John goes to the window and we see like John's POV looking down. The way that he is standing, there is no logical way his shadow makes it up that no. direction. Like, it doesn't no. make any logical sense with the lighting, but no. it just, it you, you go with it. Like, it's yeah. so stylized and thematic, and there's so much of that in this movie that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, um, I can't, I'm, I'm going to misattribute exactly where all this is coming from, but it's, yeah. there's a story, I think... I think it was on the set of Schindler's List. Don't quote me on this exactly. Uh -huh. Somebody asks the DP, says, well, where is that light coming from? That doesn't make sense. Like, where is that coming from? He says, same place the music's coming from. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I sure also I'm, don't remember exactly. I'm misattributing it's, it. But it's that's another one of those a, a thoughts story. from like the internet hive mind that we all mm -hmm. have, but we don't remember where it came from. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, I do. Because I, I, I love that. Film set. Yeah. I, I love that. And like, that's, I don't know, like this movie is such a testament to filmmaking as a visual medium. Like, again, we've talked about that. We talked about it with like Metropolis and some others mm -hmm. of like, is like is black and white filmmaking in a lot of ways and like they talk about a lot of like silent film like is this kind of like the peak of like the visual medium right. aspect of filmmaking and i love this movie for that like you're saying like there's no way and like i would hate if i was showing this movie to somebody and they went well that doesn't make sense where's that shadow coming i'm like shut up if someone said what that you, i'm like i'm turning want? the movie off and you're leaving yeah. my house like yeah it's good it's mm -hmm. really good. And once you settle into it with like, I think that train is kind of like the first time we really get like 
really heavy with it, like heavy handed yeah. with it. It's like, oh, once you understand what this is, like you're in. Yeah, you're in. I think it. that that, again, that two shot you're talking about is just really good. Because even when he looks down and Powell's in complete silhouette standing there too, mm-hmm. some great shots of this house. We'll some get really into that. But yeah. yeah, I love that introduction of him to the children. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that when I was 10, if I looked out my window and there was a man standing there, I might be like, What's he doing there? It's like, what is he doing down there? He's like, yeah. eh, it's just a man. It's just a guy. I don't know. I guess it was a different time. Yeah. Um, so the next day, John goes and visits uh, his friend, Uncle Birdie, who lives out on a houseboat. Um, oh. And Uncle Birdie. Just an old man. Yep, just an old, an old man. And uh, he lives by himself. His wife's been dead for 25 years. He has a little picture of her. Um, he has a great bit with that, though. Mm-hmm. Is that later or is that in this scene? No, that's the first like, one. It's the first. Where he's scene. like, "Hey, John, like, do you want do you want like a coffee?" He gives him a coffee. Yeah, you or want something. some coffee? And then he's like, "Hope you won't mind if I sweeten it a little bit." And he goes over to put alcohol in it, and he looks at the picture of his wife, and he's like, uh, "I've been gone these twenty five years, she's still looking over me." And he puts the picture down, <laughs> and then it pours down. it into, and it's just really yeah. nice. It's a good um, little bit. Just um, a really old man. Yeah. Who is taking care of um, Ben Harper's skiff? Right. That's his the, fishing the, the, boat. Yeah, the thing that's established here is that Ben Harper has a little fishing boat that's being repaired. And he's yeah, like, it'll be repaired. ready within like a week. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, John goes and hangs out with him. And uh, Birdie is one of the only nice adults in this town. Like, he right. seems to be like one of the only people who actually like, he seems to genuinely care about John. And it kind of asks how he's doing. And John is very standoffish in the way, you know, little boys are about their feelings. And he's like, I'm fine. You know, I got to, I got to take care of Pearl. I got to do this and that. Like, that's where he's finding. Like, he's getting through his trauma and his grief by assuming that role of like, well, dad yeah. told me to step up and this is what I need to do. And I need to take care of my little sister. Yeah. It does crack me up to like every scene with Birdie. Birdie's like, John, you leaving already? He's like, got to go t- look after Pearl. Like mm-hmm. every every time we cut to this, John's just wrapping up his time with Birdie. And he's like, I yeah. got to go, Birdie. Got to yeah, go take go. care of Pearl. Leave. A man. Um, so- so he heads home, and as he does, he passes by the Spoons ice cream parlor, and he sees Reverend Powell in there with his mother and his sister. Yeah, and, and the Spoons. And the Spoons. And he's talking about how it's, it's, it's a really nice reversal, because like I think the first thing that like they say when he gets in is there's some line dropped of like, you knew, so you knew Ben in prison. He's like, oh, yes. And like at first you're like, they're chill with this. Like yeah. they're all cool. Like there's, it gives you probably like a minute of their conversation where it is entirely framed as just, he got out of prison and now he's coming and talking to these people. He's like, Oh, I, I knew your husband. And then you find out the switches. Like somebody's asking, well, how long ago did you uh, resign from the prison? He's like, just last week. I couldn't take it anymore. Right. Which also kind of brings back the little aside with the guard mm-hmm. of like, maybe Powell, like, I don't know, it kind of puts that idea in our heads so that maybe Powell's explanation makes a little more sense. Sure. Of like, why a guard would leave the prison, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure maybe. it out. Maybe, yeah. But, but yeah, he explains, basically, I used to work at the prison, and then I resigned. Yeah, he's like, I ministered to your husband in his last oh, days. Oh, right, that's or what it whatever. was, yeah. Um, and uh, while he's there, somebody takes note of his knuckle tattoos. I can't remember who. Um, I think John and- does. John looks at his knuckles, and he says... Oh, you're looking at my knuckles, little lad. Well, yeah. 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 Let me tell you. And he goes into this monologue, which Max did a wonderful job, uh, a wonderful rendition at the beginning. Interpolating Um, it. 
And I think this is probably the most iconic thing from the movie. This gets yeah. riffed on a lot. Yeah. Um, specifically, it's very overtly uh, referenced in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, um, where in lieu of knuckle tattoos, they have brass knuckles that say love and yeah. hate. And one of the characters monologues to the camera about the story of right hand, left hand. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of one of like the lasting impacts of this movie is this whole mm. monologue he has. Um, and everybody's enamored with him. Like Mrs. Spoon loves this guy. And she's like, oh, we need a good righteous preacher man in our community. Like you have to come to our picnic this Sunday. Like stick around. <laughs> she doesn't just say picnic. She goes, we're having a picnic. picnic. Yeah. The way that she <laughs> says it, that specific line. You gotta come to the picnic. picnic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. John immediately dislikes him. Yeah. John has this like sense of just yeah. knowing this guy is up to no good. Um, yeah. That carries on through the rest of this. Um, at the picnic, uh, Mrs. Spoon tries to like set up Willa and the Reverend. And she's like, he's such a nice man. Like, you know, he's, he's so good with the little ones. You should give him a chance and all this stuff. She's like, I don't know. Like, I just, I can't. I can't stop thinking about this money. Like, where did it go? And she's like, it doesn't matter where it went. It's gone. You don't know where it is, do you? And she's like, no, I have no idea where it is. She's like, well, then stop worrying about it. Like, you're yeah. letting this thing eat you alive. Forget about it. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she talks with the reverend and she's suddenly so much happier afterwards. Um, yeah, she says, calls like, John over. Yeah, she calls John over and she's like, I want you to tell John what you just told me. And he's like, well... Your father told me in the cell exactly where that mariner was buried. And John gets kind of nervous for a second. He's like, yeah. yeah, he did. And he's like, oh, yes, he did. He said he told me that it's, you know, down at the bottom of the river, like, you know, wrapped, uh, you know, big old stone wrapped around. And he tossed it in. And John just like smirks. John's yeah, like, he like know. openly just like. <laughs> he's like, hey, you don't know. You yeah. think you know, but you don't. Um, also, I can't breeze over one of the best jokes in this movie. Oh, is my during God. This scene. The rest of the party is hanging out by the picnic table while Willa and um, Powell are talking. And Mrs. Spoons is doing her whole busy body thing and telling everybody about all this stuff. And she's like, everybody thinks love matters, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. And she, Do you, do you happen to have the exact I, phrase? I want to pull it up. Let me see if I can find so it. it's so funny. While you're looking for that, I'll, I'll keep setting the table, which is just, she's telling people that like, love don't matter. It's about, you know, what you put into it. And it's about the fact that like, you know, you're still around. She's like, you learned that after 25 years. She's like, you know, take me and my, take me and my, uh, yeah. my husband. Also, we forgot to mention that her first name is icy. Her icy, name is icy yes. spoon. And she works at the ice cream parlor, yeah. which I guess if you married someone named spoon and your name were icy, you'd probably go, I guess I you can know, only work in ice cream. <laughs> I have I have a thesis about this film that that ties into later. So bring okay. that back up. That actually that that is further evidence wow, to my great. claim. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at some quotes from Icy Spoon from this movie. Um, and there's another really good one later that we'll also bring up, which is really funny. But um, yeah, Icy Spoon says about mar about sex in marriage. She says this: "A woman's a fool to marry for that. That's something for a man. The good Lord never meant for a decent woman to want that." Not really want it. It's all just a fake and a pipe dream, is what she says. And then we cut back to like the like Harry Powell and and Willa mm -hmm. and John and whatever. And then yeah. we cut back to Icy Spoon. And then she says this: When you've been married to a man for forty years, you know all that don't amount to a hill of beans. 
I've been married to Walt that long, and I swear, in all that time, I just lie there thinking about my cannon. And then it cuts to Walt Spoon, <laughs> also at the table, and he just kind of like, like he just, just like he just like deflates slightly. Like yeah, he's he like depresses like, ever so slightly. Like he's holding something on a fork, and he just kind of goes. <laughs> it's so funny. It's really funny. And Walt Spoon is like the low key like. Uh, MVP of this movie mm-hmm. that he's so funny. He's so but just great. like Kirby. I swear, and all that time I just lie there thinking about my canning. Yeah, and Walt just. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible such, stuff. I could I couldn't move past this scene without bringing that up. Yeah. Also, yeah. one other thing Icy does say in that same scene that's listed here, she says, "A husband's one piece of store goods you never know until you get it home and take the paper off." <laughs> Incredible stuff. Great In- stuff from Icy great Spoon. Great stuff from Icy Spoon. And then they, they cut back to the house, right? Like they go back to John and Powell's Yeah, there, yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. So um, he, John goes and has like, uh, he goes and visits Uncle Bertie again. Um, right. And I think he's just walking home. I don't know that you get an interaction with Uncle Bertie, but he, he goes he goes past the parlor and he sees his mom and Icy like celebrating together. Like yeah, you know, she swinging gives him a around. big hug and he's yeah. very happy. Um and when he gets home, uh Powell corners him and he's like, Your mother told me that I should be the one to give you the good news. We're gonna be married, boy. Like we're going down tomorrow. And you know, when we come back, we're gonna be husband and wife, and I'm gonna be your dad. And he's like, You're never gonna be my dad. He's like, yeah. well, you know, hey, you know, we, we need to get along with each other. And he's like, you think I'm going to tell, but I won't. I won't. Like, he, he's very firm. And he's like, tell me what? And he does that little kid thing. Like, <gasps> like yeah, nothing, nothing at all. And he's nice. Save, John. You saved it. You saved it, John. You did it. <laughs> um, but that kind of establishes the dynamic moving forward. Um, and yeah. he talks with Pearl and Pearl's like, I love Mr. Powell. Like, I love him lots and lots. And he's like, well, we can't tell him. You swore. You swore yeah. to dad. And she's like, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't care. Like, I like him. And she's just so young that she doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, she's like five, four or five, something yeah, like that. Yeah, pretty much. I would say really four young. or five. Really, yeah. really young. Um, then we cut to the night of the honeymoon. And uh, Willa is wearing the tamest of tame negligees <laughs> like it's a nightgown that shows nothing it's just but, but you know she, she's but she thinks she looks really sexy yeah yeah this is this is not a slight at willa this is just context <laughs> for like, like the you, reaction hmm, i don't know Bart. it sounds like you were like this nightgown shows nothing <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's just not even hot i don't know man i don't know what to <laughs> oh, tell you <laughs> oh no it's the worst guy ever oh god how i didn't know he our was podcast? our guest on the show no <laughs> um and she comes out and the reverend uh is just like rolled over like pal is just he's just not even acknowledging her and she tries talking to him he's like i was praying she's like oh i'm, I'm sorry i didn't know and he just he gives her this lecture he's like you thought he's like you thought you were gonna come in here he's like let's get something clear he's like our marriage is a joining of spirits and of souls like i'm yeah. not interested in any of this he's like he's like you know women's bodies are made for bearing children. Do you want more children? And she says, no. He's like, well, all right then. He's like, go look at the mirror. He's like, look at it. Look at yourself. And just really 
psychologically torments this poor woman. It's like, yeah. you're filth. You are the scum of the earth. Like, how dare you think that you can come in here and try to like seduce me with your lust and like yeah. that's not gonna happen in this marriage. And he says like your job now is to take care of the two children you already have. Like mm -hmm. that's your only job. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. And it sucks even more because her immediate response to this is help me be clean. Help me be what John wants me to be. Yeah. And or, it's just yeah, like Harry or Harry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah. Harry. Yeah. Um, like, and that's, it's insane how quickly she just completely right, buys into from this. there. We like on their honeymoon trip, he's like preaching to a church mm -hmm. and now she's part of his like, yeah, she's act. fanatic. Yeah. And it's like, like fanatic and just, yeah, mm, she's going on and on. She's like, how many of you can say that you drove Amanda murder? Like I did. I'm a terrible person and I'm, I'm begging for salvation. Like I need the Lord. And, yeah, and the lighting on this and this scene's really cool too, because we mm -hmm. cut to like the crowd, like you know the um, yeah. what would you call that in a church? The congregation. Mm -hmm. Not the congregation. There's like some people in light, but like there's two rows in the back that are just completely silhouetted. Yeah, and they're all like cheering and chanting. And they're burning and torches. They're burning too? torches like, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very wild. yeah, very fanatic. Um, um, yeah. So you go and. Uh, John and Uncle Birdie are fishing out on the newly repaired boat. And um, while they're out there, Birdie tells John, he said, hey, like, you know, congrats on your new pa. How are you feeling about it? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, he's like, I don't, I don't know much what to think about him either. Like, there's a few people, and you get that a little bit with Walt later yeah. on, too, where some people yes. aren't fully buying into what's up with Powell. They're like, something's off about this guy. Yeah. And so he just tells John, he's like, if you're ever in trouble, if you need help, like you come to uncle Birdie, like I'll, yep. I'll make sure you get what you need. And he's like, thanks uncle Birdie. He's like, I gotta, I gotta get home. Um, and he gets back. And the next night we finally get the reveal of what's going on with the money. And it's just, again, yes. such a lovely little kid thing. If you see, all the money strewn out and you see the back of Pearl's doll, which she has been carrying around the entire movie. This doll yep. never leaves her side is opened up and all the money's coming out of it. And that's where yeah. the money has been hidden. And she's got a pair of scissors and she's making paper dolls <laughs> out of these like hundred dollar bills. Yeah. It's just, panning, I just yeah. love that. This is a really moment. good, like panning across it and like mm. revealing her cutting. And she's just like, <laughs> like just making them. John comes out and he's like, Pearl, no. Yeah, what are like, you doing? Trying his best to keep everything together. Mm -hmm. um, and then he likes, they start shoving the money back in. And the way the way this shot is framed is so tense because yeah. in the foreground, you've got the kids on the ground with the money. Behind them is the porch with like a screen door. Yeah, and, and the light coming from the house. Mm -hmm. from inside. And suddenly... Powell steps out and he's behind the screen door. He's like, children, time for bed. You better get I on I hate side. the way he says children, by mm -hmm. the way. I he says it, it a few more hate times it. later. Hate it. Anyways, yeah. and he's like, Just makes your skin crawl. It's time for mm -hmm. bed. And he's like, John, what are you doing out there? And he's like, and just, just getting, uh, Pearl nothing. Ready. Yeah. getting Pearl ready for bed. What's taking you so long? And he's like, oh, you know, she, she left her things out. Mom would hate it if, if you know, when she leaves her things out. And yeah. as they're trying to stuff all this money back in, to the doll, Powell is coming out of the he door. He starts walking them. out, yeah, and the money's still on the ground, and you're just <laughs> yeah. sitting there like biting your nails as the audience, just like, oh my god, yeah. And they just happen to get like the last bill stuffed. Well, in but I also love is as he walks up, two bills on the ground. I don't know if you notice this, blow past him, 
mm-hmm. and under the porch of the house. Like yes. he doesn't see two bills that just go past him on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's really great. It's uh, it's so good. Gets but they there, he takes him. To get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Takes him inside, uh, and then there's also a scene in here. This whole section's kind of a blur for me. Mm-hmm. There's also a scene in here where Willa talks to John and says, you know, you know Mr. Powell said that that you yeah, or like or that John told his mom that Powell was asking about them. Yeah, because I right? think it's the same scene with the money and the doll. He stops John before bed. And he says, you tattled on me like you yes. told. And he's yeah, like, that's right supposed here. to be um, you're not supposed to be telling that, you know, you told your mom that we've been, I've been asking where that money is, even though I told her, I knew where it was. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's my word against yours. Like she'll yeah. believe me, which, which is a huge ugh. theme of the movie mm-hmm. also of like mm-hmm. adults, not believing children. Yeah. Adults will always believe other adults before they believe children, which is yes. just so integral to this and just breaks your heart as you're watching all of this. Yeah. Um, you then get a scene where, uh, you know, some time has passed. It's it's kind of a blur of like how long this has all been. A few yeah. weeks, I would imagine. But uh, Willa is like, you know, uh, why are you telling that lie? Like, why do you keep telling that lie that he's been asking you about the money? It's not true. Like, yeah. you know where the money is. He told you where the money is. Like, why why can't you be nice to him? Why can't you two get along? And, yeah. you know, just showing the rift that, I mean, it, it's it's such a good it's a really good illustration of like the natural tensions that occur between like mixed families and like, yeah. you know, broken homes and stuff like that. When somebody new comes in a lot of the times, like, you know, children have a hard time with that. And, you know, these parents are just like, I love you and I love him. Like, can you please just like, I need you to like him. I need these two parts of my world to like, you know, yeah. mesh together. But this is like such an extreme version of it. It's like, yeah, but the kid's right to not yeah. trust him this time. Like, there are so many actual reasons for this. Um, but I just think that's really good. Um, so this also gets a little bit blurry for me as well. Um, at a certain point, Powell comes and interrogates John again, and he makes some slip up of like, Pearl, don't say anything. Don't tell him. Yes. Which clues him into, oh, Pearl knows now. And he's like, well, John is a troublemaker. John, let's let's keep this between you and me, Pearl. Is that after Willa? Yes, that's after the conversation with Willa. Because no, I mean, is that after like the what happens with Willa? No, okay. this is yeah, because okay, yeah. So he takes her downstairs, locks John in his room, and Willa comes home and she hears them through yes. the kitchen window, him asking about the money. And then he gets really aggressive. He says, like, like, I'm going to tell me where it is. I'm going to rip your arm off. I'm going to rip your arm off. Yeah. And she screams and runs away right as Willa comes in and he kind of puts his mask on. But she's already heard everything. And she's trying to keep it all together as much as she can. She's like, okay, baby, let's let's get you to bed. But like, it's clearly shaken when she realizes, like, oh, John was telling the truth and Powell has been lying to me. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Because then we go into Mm -hmm. one of my favorite scenes it's an awful scene but one of my favorites in the film yeah. of willa in bed lying there and again that lighting thing mm-hmm. of she is like illuminated yeah while she's lying in bed like there's almost a halo around her mm-hmm. and she's like john was true and harry's in the room with her and she's like john was right like you you are here for the money like that sort mm-hmm. of thing right and and powell 
Yeah. Do you want to talk? <laughs> Sorry. So like, yeah. So, so she's saying all this stuff and she's kind of like in a daze. Like yeah. she's just very, she is almost in denial, but like she, she's saying the truth. She's like, okay, yeah. Like you, you know where, you know, you didn't know where the money was. You lied. And yeah. she's like, but that's okay. Like we can still be a happy family. We, we can still work this out or whatever. And you get this shot of like a wide and she's lying in bed with like this streak of light coming in. It's just yeah. like harsh angled shadows. The, the bedroom, I don't know that it's ever established where it is in yeah. the house, but like it looks almost like an attic because it comes to like a steeple point. Well, it like also looks like a chapel. Yeah, it looks, right? yeah, it looks like a chapel in there. And Powell is standing in the corner and he's doing this weird like so it's grasping his, motion. It's his towards... left hand, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. hate is mm -hmm. rising up. And he's like grasping up towards like the moonlight coming in through the window. Mm -hmm. And then she says something right at the end and he brings it back down. Yeah. And he, and pulls, he out his knife. pulls out his knife. He gets on top of her. He like straddles her in bed and she closes her eyes and like knows yeah. what's going to happen pretty much. And then he brings uh, the knife down and we cut to mm -hmm. John in his room in the yeah. middle of the night. And he hears the car trying to start the car starting and he goes and he mm -hmm. looks out and it's too dark to see anything. Yeah. Right. Is that yeah, kind he of? Just, yeah. He, he, hears, he, hears he hears the, the car, car starting and, driving and he goes away. back to bed. Yeah. Um, the next morning we go back, we jump over to the spoons and uh, Icy tells Walt, she's like, Mr. Powell's in there, like falling all to pieces. You know, uh, yeah. Willa ran away. Willa's gone. She left in the middle of the night yeah. and he's putting on his big show, Crocodile Tears. Um, yeah. And before this, there was some scene I missed where we established that Walt says something to Icy about like, I don't know, something isn't adding up to me about him. And she's like, you're yeah. paranoid. Get over yourself. Like, this isn't a big deal. But we've yeah. established that already. Yeah. So Powell is sitting there blubbering the whole time. And he yeah. says that Willa turned him down on their honeymoon night, that she yep. turned him out of the bed, didn't want to be physical with him. And... Icy just buys into his Icy shit. Icy is eating completely. that shit up. She is all in on this. Walt is still, he's kind of like, well, didn't she leave a note? Yeah, he's kind like, of inquisitive. He's like. Yeah, he's like, she didn't say anything before she left? He's like, nope. No, she's like, she left a note and I burned it. Like, I, I couldn't stand yeah. the sight of it. He's like, I couldn't stand like these evil words. Mm -hmm. And Icy's like, as you should, as is yeah. normal. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, he, and she's like, well, what are you going to do now? He's like, the only thing I can do, I'm going to stay here and take care of those children. And you oh, cut what a to, good man. What a yeah. good man. And you cut to freaking the bottom of the river and it just kind of pans oh. over and you see the you see the rear bumper of the car and then it keeps going and you just see freaking Willa's lifeless body like tied into the seat and her hair is just billowing up around her and yeah. she just looks like a ghost. She's it's, at the bottom of the river and it's so effective. It's a haunting It's a haunting image. image. It's, it's real spooky. Ooh, yeah, it's real spooky. Um, and so, you know, a fully confirming what we all suspected and what's happened to Willa. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think we just is, get that the, reveal. This, no, I think. Birdie, is it no, all in the is, same scene? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So, so a fish hook comes yes, down. Yes, thank you. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's like dangling through and then kind of catches on the the, ar the like the arm of the mirror, like one mm -hmm. of the side mirrors. And Birdie is fishing and he's like trying to reel this in and he looks over the stick. edge of the boat mm -hmm. 
and he sees it, and it's clear as day. Yeah, like just, just at the bottom of there. There's no murkiness. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a deep river at no. all. Like she's maybe like 10, 15 feet down. Yeah, and, and he you sees just this. See her and yeah, he just is horrified. Yeah. Um, I don't think we quite go into yet his his full reaction. No, not yet. Just just the reveal. Just the reveal that he sees. We this. go we go back to the house, and Powell is calling for the children. And you get this fun, like, silent yeah. era iris. Yes, of, I love it so much. He's walking around the house, and then this iris happens, and it goes in and focuses in on, like, a window from the cellar of the two yeah. kids kind of peeking out. And then it's just, I don't know, it's like a very a fun stylistic shot. choice. It is. It's very fun. Because we open with him leaning against something and going, children, or whatever, and mm -hmm. then he starts walking towards the house. Yeah. And the iris closes in, and then we cut to the actual full shot of just their faces in the window of the cellar. Yep. So they're down out. in the cellar, um, and are hiding from him. He corners them. He like, he opens up the door and he's like, I can hear you breathing down there. Like, come on Scary. out. I'm liable to get an ang. Like I'm, I can feel an anger boiling. Like you should yeah. come on up. And he's interrupted by icy calling yep. for him. And she's there. And he's like, Oh, the children down the cellar. I'm at my wits end. She's like, children, you get up here right now. You mind your paw. And they come up and they're, you know, covered in dirt or whatever while they're down there. John like knocks into a wall and he sees a shelf of jars like uh, wiggle, like it's loose. Yep. And so he kind of clocks that before they head up. Yeah. They go upstairs after she leaves. Powell just lays, she brings dinner for them. That's what yeah. it is. She brings dinner. He lays out this dinner that night and it's just, you know, apple cobbler and fried chicken and delicious food. And they're sitting on one side of the table and he's sitting on the other, just enjoying his meal. And he's like, are you hungry? And they're like, yeah. He's like, well, you can tell me, you, you know, you can have as much food as you like as soon as you tell me where that money is. Just yeah. again, tormenting these children. Yeah. It's awful, awful stuff. Um, and he, that they're there and then it cuts back to Uncle Birdie that night and he is drunk. He's drinking because he's convinced, he's like, if I go to the police, they're going to think I did it. Right. Because nobody, like, I'm I'm basically a hobo living on the yeah. river. Yeah, he's a and, drunkard living mm -hmm. on the river that no one would ever trust or believe and so he's he's like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and he's just despondent about yeah, he's it he's drinking a lot mm -hmm. so then we Cut, go yeah. back we go back to powell and um he threatens pearl with a knife and then john lies and he says well the money is hidden under stone in the cellar like leave her alone i know where it is and he's like oh, okay he's like well then come on and john didn't calculate for this he's like what he thought maybe he could just like lock him in the cellar or something. He's like, you're coming with me. Yeah. So he leads the two kids down into the dark cellar and he's like, all right, show me where it is. You show it to me. And he's making sure he's like, nope, you walk in front of me. You stay where I can see you. And he's like, it's over yonder. It's right there. Pointing directly below that shelf that yeah. he spotted earlier. Ruffles around in the dirt and he says, this is concrete. Like, what are you talking about? A stone in the cellar and realizes the kids are lying. Well, to and him. Pearl says, John told a lie. John sinned. Mm -hmm. At which point he's like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to hurt you real bad. Yeah. He grabs John. He pushes him down on top of a barrel and he takes the knife and he puts it like in his ear. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh, well, this is what's going to happen to you. And he's like, I'm going to, he, he, he says, I'm going to like, split you nose to like you know nose to sternum basically and then bleed yeah. you out like a pig yeah like, if you don't tell me what's going on pearl starts to cry and she's like it's in the doll it's in the doll leave him alone and this is also a really good delivery from robert mitchum where he goes mm -hmm. the doll <laughs> like he yeah just he like, like such like a like 
the doll. Duh. Of course. Yeah, like, of duh. course it's there. <laughs> and it's just um, a really fun delivery in this awful yeah. scene. It's terrible. So he's he's just below the shelf. John throws something and knocks the shelf down and all the jars fall on Pal's head yep. and kind of, you know, discombobulated for a minute. The kids run up the stairs. You get this like Frankenstein it monster yeah. like up the stairs behind them. He's got his hands out like reaching for them he with like chases crooked them up fingers. The stairs. Yeah. They manage to get away. They slam no. his fingers in the door. And he makes like the most Tom and Jerry ass like, yeah. And yep. then like pulls his hand back. They shut the door. They lock it. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'm going to bust this door down. And they yeah. run. They go running into the night and you just hear, you still hear the sounds of the door getting busted in as they're running. Yes. And you hear it break down. Yeah. Um, and they're just running and running and running. And they go to Uncle Birdie's and he's passed out drunk. Yeah. And John is just shaking. He's like, you told me to come. You told me if I needed help, like we need your help. He's coming with a knife. You've got to hide us. And Birdie's just gone. He's, yeah. you know, he can't. He's, not, he's, he's out. Barely conscious. And it's just... It um, it makes me want to cry every yeah. time I get to that scene of just like children in distress and not having adults to go to just like wrecks me. It just yeah. is so upsetting to watch this happen. And John is trying to think on his feet and he says, okay, the boat, like we'll get dad's boat. And so they go and they run down the river and you hear Powell just yelling after him this whole time. Children, children. Yeah. children. They, you know, get the boat out of the weeds and it's kind of like a swampy area. Like it's full yeah. of mud and stuff. And he gets Pearl in the boat and he's pushing it out just as he does. Like Powell shows up with his knife. Stumbles starts, in the mud. Yeah, stumbles in the mud. He's wading through the swamp and he just misses them as they get into like deep water and he he can't follow them anymore. He lets out a scream that it's, is unreal. <laughs> it's insane. It like it, it grows from a growl into just like this howling sound that he it's makes. It's nuts. <laughs> it's wild. It's insane the sound he gets to come out of his throat of just yeah. like pure rage that these children and the money have gotten away. And the kids yeah. float down the river in the boat and you get this like storybook sequence as Pearl sings. It's gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. Oh my god. It's absolutely beautiful she sings this song about these these flat this this mother fly who mm-hmm. dies has two baby flies who are on their own and have to like be on yeah. their own and escape basically as she's singing this there's this really great shot of in the foreground a spider's web mm-hmm. and the boat with the two children in it float away from the web like in the background it's like an overhead shot like yeah. it's looking down at them as it just kind yeah. of like goes and glides well across. and like it's just like this really good like visual and like sound storytelling of like mm-hmm. well obviously we know they're the flies but then also showing them like escape this escape web they the were web. trapped in mm-hmm. really just really good there's like a shot of a frog yep. just like storybook stuff it's, and yeah, like it's, it's such a fake stage like it's totally like when it's a they sound float, stage with water on when it. they float away in the river you can see the two different jets creating mm. the the current but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like it just it feels so of a piece with itself i just there's, I there's this sense of like sequence. this dream this dreamlike quality and like this unreal this unreality okay. that at this point you've completely settled into and it's and yeah go ahead yeah no just like it's so visually stunning that it's it's literally the dvd menu on the criterion yeah like it's just it's just those those gorgeous shots of like 
these woodland animals and the spider's web and the boat just going down the river and just yeah. like there's just something so hauntingly beautiful about this whole sequence yeah well and also again like the black and white and the lighting of this whole mm -hmm. it's just incredible yeah um we get a little bit of a montage oh wait i, I the, before that the next morning um yes the spoons get some sort of postcard saying oh hey I'm taking the kids up to go my visit sisters. Like my sisters or whatever. Um, and thought a change of scenery would do us all some good. Yeah. And they're like, I that's weird that he's sending go say goodbye or whatever. Well, and Icy says, well, there you have it, Walt. Mm -hmm. You were so worried disappearing yeah. in the middle of the night that, you know, that you were so worried that they, you know, had been killed by you know, using the slur, like yeah. gypsies, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and he says, and well, I, somebody stole a horse and they never like, caught. Yeah. He's like, like I had a reason to worry. The people who did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they, Someone shot a farmer and stole a horse. We cut to another helicopter shot, maybe? Mm -hmm. of yeah, like yeah. Powell on a horseback just going across the countryside. Yeah. Again, setting up this chase. Sting. Yeah. Setting up this yeah. chase kind of going mm -hmm. on. We get some, some shots of, we get like in this montage, we get like John and Pearl go up to like this woman who's just handing out potatoes to children. Um, because again, this, this, this plays off of what Ben was talking about earlier of like the depression, you just have these like gaggles of children just roaming yeah. the countryside without parents, just homeless mm -hmm. and trying to survive. Um, yeah. and John and Pearl, ironically due to like what Ben thought he was doing by leaving the money, mm -hmm. he has like kind of condemned them to this at yeah. this moment. Um, we get Powell stopping at like a little like he's working. He's working to make money and mm -hmm. he's like working. I don't know. Is he working at like a. It's like a it's like a they're, they're picking some sort of. Yeah, they're picking or peaches or something. Or something. Peaches, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a, yeah, it's an orchard. They're picking peaches. And he's like preaching to them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Kids keep floating down the river at a certain point. Uh, John's like, all right, we're going to we're going to sleep on land tonight. They they pull the boat uh, up to like a farmhouse. It's right this, on the edge of the river. This more than anything else in the movie feels so dreamlike mm -hmm. and unreal. Just this house in this barn in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, just one emptiness. window with a light on. And in that window is a bird cage with a bird inside. Yeah. That's just fluttering around. And just that shot of like the barn in the house just feels so weirdly eerily familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Not like I've had a dream with that exact image, but it just has such like a yeah. They are they are alone in the world. Like Absolutely. It's got this unreality empty. to it. Yeah, they go up yeah. into the barn mm -hmm. and they they go to sleep for the night. And then do you want to talk about this this then, yeah. shot? John is John is woken up by the a dog barking. Ear, yeah, a dog barking and then he goes to like the the loft window of the barn. He looks out and then he just starts hearing the sound of Powell's singing. Yeah. You know, leaning on the everlasting arm and you get this crazy cool shot of Powell in silhouette on horseback, just riding along like what I, looks like, is it like sunrise at this point? Is that what that I would don't be? Know. Is that what's illuminating him? I don't know. I guess I don't it's know. just like a hill Something. that he's on the yeah, top of It's a hill and there's a along. little bit of light coming behind it so that he is fully silhouetted and you get this great shot of John leaning against the window in the foreground and all the way in the background in deep focus. You can see both of them. Yeah. It's just the silhouette on the horizon of him on his horse, just going like left along, to right singing, singing to himself and John. And I want to talk about the actor playing John mm -hmm. because he is doing a pretty good job. 
I think so. For like a 1955 child actor. Like earlier you kind of moved past it when he's in in Birdie's shack. And he has Mm -hmm. this moment where Birdie's knocked out and he goes, there's still dad's fishing boat. Like there's a really good moment of discovery from him there. Like there's Mm -hmm. a really good realization from him there. And like not everything he does is going to be great. But like that and then this line here where he just says, don't he ever sleep? Yeah, that line. really well delivered. Again, yeah. There is, yeah, I'll get into it. I'll get into it later. There's just, there's so much I want to talk about. Just the idea. Don't he ever sleep? Like, ugh. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the kids. We got to keep it clipping. Yeah, we got to keep it clipping. So they rush back down to the boat (laughs) and they they head back down the river some more. They wake up um, and someone is just yelling at them and poking at them. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to get me a switch. Get, Get yourselves out of that boat. Come on up. Mm-hmm. rushes them over to like this garden where some other girls are working mm-hmm. and they're like we got these two kids and they take them to where do they take them parker they take them inside they take them into this woman's house and they yeah. they clean them like she specifically lillian gish's house mm-hmm. lillian who was Gish's at the start house. of the start of the movie yeah the the, the face the, the the bodiless face at the beginning <laughs> of the film she has a body she has we a know body now <laughs> she's here yeah. Um, so we meet uh, we meet Rachel, Rachel Cooper, um, yep. and she is very kind of like, you know, she's a little rough around the edges again. Like she's like, I'm going to switch. And she's like, you know, smacks at the kids a little bit, this read to get yep. them to move or whatever. But instantly, like, starts taking care of these kids and just kind of like it, it's it's established. She's almost like it, it feels almost like she's a Fagan-esque character from like Oliver Twist. Like she's mm, just keeping yeah. an eye on all these orphan kids. Well, the there's a line later where someone, they, she takes them all, she takes all the kids into town. There's like three other girls there, four? Yeah, I think three. I think three. there's five just, all together yeah. once, once you get Ruby. Yeah. Uh, sorry, once you get um, Pearl and John. Right, so she takes all these kids into town. She goes into like the store. They help her do her grocery shopping and one of them's like, whatever happened to your, your, your boy, your, you know, your other kids or whatever. And she's like, oh, he's in the war. Or he yeah. died, or maybe I can't remember exactly. She's, she's in the war. He's, he's in the he's war. Gone off. He's gone off, and she's like, she's like, well, basically, she says maybe to John later too, of like, taking care of kids is all I'm really good at. Yeah, like, she, so I'm she, just gonna keep doing it. She tells the store manager, she's like, I, uh, I'm a tree whose branches can hold many birds. Like yeah, that, which is the beautiful way of putting it and thinking it's about it. It's and she's so like, good. look, there's all these kids out here roaming the wilderness who don't have mm-hmm. parents really. Yeah. in the depression and i have the ability and the privilege to take care of them so yeah, i'm going to. i can help and i'm going I can to help and that's how she does it and it's great yeah. um while she's talking to the store owner the oldest of the group ruby who is probably what like 14 15 15 i think 15 they say she's 15 maybe yeah I, yeah she maybe um she has a streak of going off into town to flirt with the boys yeah. and like one of the boys is like He's like, hey, Ruby, come on over. She says no. And he's like, well, what about Thursday? And she says yes. And he turns to He's like, old lady thinks she comes in for sewing lessons on Thursdays, but she's she's coming to see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we we get a few more scenes of just like John specifically like learning to warm up to her a little bit. Yeah. And- she tells like a story from the Bible about Moses mm-hmm. and he's like outside, but she knows he's listening. Yeah, and the kids, yeah. the kids instantly draw the parallel because she's like, you know, he uh, and they, they send him down the river and his little. I think she or, describes it as well, a. She says as a skiff, and she says, a, "Do you know who was in that skiff?" And they uh-huh. go, "John and Pearl." John and, Pearl. and she goes, "Not this no. one." Mm-hmm. You dumbass. I just think that I just think that's so cute. It's I just so love cute. That little moment. Yeah. 
the youngest yeah. girl. Everybody yeah. else goes to bed except for John. And she tells John, she's like, John, fetch me an apple. Get one for yourself. Yep. And he comes back. He's like, can you keep telling me that story? And yeah. she's like, yeah, of course. And it's just, again, there's this lovely little moment where she's telling the story and he's asking questions. And she's sitting in her rocking chair and he's standing next to her. And he just ever so tentatively, like, reaches out his hand and rests it on hers. Yeah. And she, like, interlaces her fingers with his. And he, he won't look at her. Like, he's just yeah. looking down the whole time. But just that slow, tender, just like, yeah. we haven't seen John ask for affection from anyone. No. And it's just, again, another moment that almost makes me cry. Yeah. This kid. Well, and again, like, he's been, he's been playing the man of the house for so long at mm -hmm. this point that, like, you know... It's yep. now he gets to be a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really nice, I hadn't thought of it this way, but it's a very nice version of a, a, a side of what I call handholding cinema of like, mm -hmm. I love shots mm -hmm. of people slowly holding hands. And usually it's a romantic sense, but I love, I love that you mentioned that. Cause I don't think I noticed that, but that's yeah. a really, yeah. Cause that's it, just it's a, not that's like, a really it's, nice it's just a wide play. shot. It's the two of them. It's a double. Yeah. And it's just, but if you just watch for it, he just, he just very that's slowly really nice. just reaches. Oh, and I love she that. just, she doesn't even like move her hand. Her hand is like laying upright. Yeah. With her knuckles facing upwards, but she just opens her fingers a little bit and his yeah. kind of slip in That's nice. between hers. It's really lovely. Um, Thursday rolls around. Thursday right? rolls around. Ruby goes to town. Boys, teen boys working up the courage to go talk to her. As he goes to talk to her, Pal steps in between the two of them. Yeah. And he says something along the lines of like, oh, you're up at that, uh, you're up at the Cooper's place, aren't you? And she's like, yes, sir. And she's like, buy me an ice cream? Says, sure. So he takes her inside. And the, but and the teen boys kind of razz him a little bit, too. They do. like, preacher, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, off, kid. Yeah. And I think he, is this, there's another moment where he almost kills somebody. Like, he takes a knife. It might be here. I think it is. Where I think he, like, flashes the knife, but nobody sees it. Yeah, something like that. And then, that. The, like, something, so he gets, he gets brushed inside or something. Also, There's I love another this, moment. I also yeah. love this little part of town where, again, mm -hmm. this unreality, this small street here is, like, a drugstore and, like, some magazine racks outside. But there's, like, these neon signs that just say, like, drug yeah. magazine and it just feels like the most bare bones version of what is a, a, a street right. well, again, would look it's, like it, it's in the same way that you were talking about with the river this yeah. is not hiding well that yeah again that it's, it's set. again it's unreality it's like mm -hmm. this it's creating this weird quality that i really love about it yeah so um so she sits down and has ice cream and kind of spills the beans he's like do you get any new ones up there recently she's like oh just john and pearl he's like, oh really oh good yeah. to know um and he he says, you know, she's like, do you think I'm pretty? He's like, you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Add on top of the fact that he's already a murderous, you know, child-harming yeah. creep. Yeah. And now you have this weird, like, undertone of just, you know, obviously, I I think he's just working her for information, but it also yeah. just is so creepy and it gross, is. and I hate it. No, it is. Um, so she comes home and confesses to uh, Miss Cooper what's happened. And Miss Cooper's like, well, was it their pa? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, yeah. She's like, there was, she was asking about John and Pearl. And she's like, John and Pearl? That's weird. Because at a certain point, she asks John what happened to his parents. And John had said they're dead. both dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And so the next morning, Pal rides up to the ranch to take them back. Pearl runs up and hugs him immediately. But John is standoffish. And the whole time, Mrs. Cooper is like, okay. 
they were in really rough shape when I found him. He's like, they ran away. Like, you know, their mom, yeah. ran, you know, they, they, their mom took him and she brought him to these awful places with her gambling dens and she's got a drinking problem. I can't imagine everything they've been through. And they, I'm so glad they got away from her. Like I've, I've just been trying to find him. And she's again, like I, I might almost start crying when I talk about it. She's so just, good. she's so standoffish about it. And she looks to John. She says, John, is this man your pa? She says, no. Or no, she, she says, she says, John, why don't you go and, yeah, why, and yeah. why don't you go and like hug your yeah. pa or something? He goes, that ain't That's my not, pa. That ain't my pa. And then she and goes, she, yeah, and he ain't no preacher neither. <laughs> she right? goes straight in the house and grabs a gun. <laughs> like she, she goes inside. Powell goes for the doll. John yeah. grabs it and he scurries underneath he scurries the under the house. John pulls out, uh, Powell pulls out his knife and, and tries to crawl him. in under him after mm-hmm. him. And, and she goes back out with a rifle and like points it at him and like whistles like pokes, and like yeah, pokes, pokes him with it and he butt. comes up and sees it. Mm-hmm. And then she like, he runs away and he scampers yeah. away like a little Looney Tunes character and she shoots yeah. at him and he goes like, Ow! you know, he's like, I'll be back. No, that, that's later. Oh, that's later. later. Sorry. Yeah. 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 He goes, she's, she's like, he's like, you meddler, you, you, you whores of Babylon. Like I'll be back. Like you haven't I'll seen come the last back of after me. dark. Yeah. yeah. He specifically says that he's going to come back when it's dark. Yeah. And, uh, great plan, Harry. Yeah. Great plan. <laughs> Tell Harry. him when you'll um, be back that night. He comes back and all of the kids are huddled into a group in like the kitchen sleeping where it's, you know, it's safe and she can keep an eye on all of them. And again, you get the craziest shots in this movie that I love so much is he is just standing just outside the fence. He's leaning on the fence, like not in the property line, but like but fully just, outside. just there, just outside. And he's doing his singing or whatever. And you see him, the shot cuts, you see him in like a full shot and then it cuts and you get this profile silhouette of Mrs. Cooper in the rocking chair with her shotgun. Yeah. Just fully in silhouette with him in the background, just walking back and forth. And it just, that image is insane. That it image is, is oh, so good. He's and singing, she, leaning on the everlasting arms. She starts singing, but she, instead of singing, just leaning, she sings lean on Jesus. Yeah. She like takes the duet harmony part. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's the, it's <laughs> such a strange vibe in that scene of just yeah. like the standoff of like two opponents. Yeah. Who, who's going to make the first move. We're going to sing together. It's this weird eeriness going on. Yeah. Uh, Ruby comes out because she is like, I, you know, she's she's still pining after this creep. Yeah. The whole time. Uh, but she brings she brings another really cool shot that I don't yes. know how they like lined it up is you see him through like the screen in the door. So yeah. he's a little bit like, dis- you know, he, he's a little bit um, obscured. And Ruby comes down with a candle and the candle lights the the screen porch up. area and screen. Yeah, it lines up yeah. the porch and you can't, you can't see outside for half a second. And Cooper's like, what are you doing? Go to bed. Like, you know, she blows out the candle and he's gone. He's not he's there anymore, which is so good. And she, she literally like gasps. She's yeah. like, she's like, oh, everybody, everybody, get everybody downstairs, like into the kitchen now. And yeah. so they get all the kids into the same room and you hear him just taunting them from outside. Yeah. He's like, you know, just give me the kids, give me the doll. Like, it's all going to be fine. Um, when, uh, he, he comes inside and he's in, like, he's in the room and a cat spooks him. Yeah. The cat spooks him. Like he turns, she shoots and she like gets him. She clips him somehow. And he lets out his like Looney Tunes. Yeah. That's what it is. And goes like skipping out of the room, like hopping in pain. And he (laughs) runs outside and he goes for the barn and 
Miss Cooper oh, runs to the phone. She has a good line here too. Yeah, she runs to the phone and she's cranking it. And uh, she's like, she's like, I need state troopers down here. I got something in my barn. <laughs> it's so good. It's really funny. Um, yeah. And the next morning, the state troopers arrive and they bring him out of the barn. And it's a real interesting ending. Yeah. And again, this isn't like a complete ending, but basically they bring him out and they're arresting him. They throw him to the ground and we get a repeat where John goes, no, don't. And it's very, and I understand it. I understand mm-hmm. that he's reliving his father's arrest. Yeah. And he runs up and he says, take it, take the money. I don't want it. And it's actually a really good ending because it it's a really good final beat for him and Harry Powell. Because I think on my first watch, I was like, he's getting so confused by this happening again that he, that he thinks he liked Powell. No, mm-hmm. that's not what's happening here. No, he's reliving his father's arrest and he's throwing the money back at his father right he's saying to his dad he's like take it back it's too much it's t- it's, i can't it's, it's too, much. too much which is man a mm-hmm. Just brutal thing the weight that is put on this and also i need i need i need to dial back really quick because i forgot the best line in the movie is while lillian gish is sitting out on the porch keeping an eye on um powell yeah. There's a barn owl and a rabbit that she looks and she spots and it cuts back and forth between the two of them. And the owl swoops down and you hear a little like scream from the rabbit as it gets caught. Uh-huh. And she goes, it's a hard world for little things. And just, yes. Ugh, that ugh, line. Yeah. Decimates me. And I just and, think about it in context of the whole movie. And ooh. And is like, once again, I get back to that idea of like what children, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, just had call. to throw that good in call, there. No, good call bringing that back. Um, but so you have this moment with him, which again, I agree, is a really good, good moment of him just kind of talking to his father as with Powell as the stand and just throwing the money. And he's like, just take it. I don't want it. I can't. It's too much. It's too yeah. much. Um, and they take him away. And then uh, it's Christmas time. And then it's Christmas time. And this is where. Surprise, this was a Christmas movie. Surprise, Christmas movie. Um this is where I rub up against the movie a little bit. Okay. Which is we're in the courthouse and the prosecutor is like, young boy, can you tell us like point to the court? Who's the man who murders your mother? He's just over there yonder and he won't do it. We never see Powell. We never, there's no, he won't look at him. The camera doesn't show him, but he just looks down at his feet and he doesn't say anything. And I think it's just a summation of just how traumatized he's been by this whole thing. I think, I read it as he's terrified of what's going to happen to him. He's terrified of what Powell's going to do to him if yeah. he says anything. And just, if nothing else, it just shows us how horrendous this whole experience has been on poor yeah. little John. And they say, all right, little fellow, you know, take him away. You know, you see, they send him off with Mrs. Cooper and say, you know, Merry Christmas to all of you. You know, stay safe out there. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you get this intercutting with like the gallery there at the trial, which includes Mr. and Mrs. Spoon. Yes. And Mrs. Spoon is gone. Icy has gone full heel turn and is, you know, basically like, we always knew. We always well, knew he's a terrible person. He's a wife murderer. They, they call him Bluebeard. Did you know Bluebeard? Do you know? I did. did you know? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. I had to look it up this you, time. You didn't, you didn't I hadn't caught reference? it before. I had no idea. So that was fun. Do you want to, you want to tell me what you found? No, you tell the reference. It's basically just a, it's a very old story, not a fairy tale, but it is one of those like folk tale stories of uh, like essentially the first serial killer. It's this guy who marries women, murders them. 
Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's become a part of like the cultural zeitgeist in such a way that like, it would be, it makes sense for these people and like the depression sure. to be referencing the story, but yeah. So they're all counting their crown and blue beard, you know, string them up, lynch him. Like, you know, we, we want him hung and all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Poor Mrs. Cooper is just trying to keep her children safe from all this. Like they go to like the ice cream parlor nearby and are getting a treat, and the crowd like the mobs mob the ice. Yeah, they all come through. up mm -hmm, and they stop. And Icy's like, "There's the children. There's there's John and Pearl. Like, oh my goodness, save the children!" You're just like fawning over these kids who clearly don't want any of this attention. And yeah. uh, Mrs. Cooper knows better and leads them out the back way. Yeah. Um, and just this whole sequence. I, I don't know. It feels unnecessary to me of like, it's mm. building like the, the crowd is getting angrier. They've got torches. They've got axes. They've got pitchforks. Like they also just... meet back up with the guard from the start. Right. As they take Powell in to be executed. And yeah. they're like, Hey, got, got another, another one, one for you. And he's like, great. He's like, this time it'll be a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, okay. Interesting that this guy it's got like, a little okay. arc. Yeah. Weird, weird little callback. <laughs> But that's it. They put him in a car and they drive him away. And that's that. And there's really so see him again. We don't. And like, you could read whatever you want into it. Like when I watched it the first time, I fully thought the mob was going to drive the car off the road and then just go like, take him to a tree somewhere and deal with it themselves. But yeah. you never see any of that. He just disappears. And so does the mob. Yep. It just doesn't, I don't know. It's the one like, thing I rub against with this movie. I'm like, why I, is this here? And again, I do rub into it a little. So then they go back to Ms. Cooper's house. Mm-hmm. And there's a lovely little Christmas sequence where yes. they're all getting presents and they got Miss Cooper presents. Mm -hmm. And John feels embarrassed that he didn't get anything for her. So he goes and he takes like an apple and he mm -hmm. takes like some wrapping, like a decoration. He takes the, the, he takes the doily. He takes the doily, the doily underneath the, the like bowl. And then, then he takes a, like a clothespin from the Christmas tree mm -hmm. and he wraps it up and he brings it to her. And she is very nice about it. Yeah. Um, and then she brings, she tells everyone, okay, go get your presents. They're all upstairs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then she brings John his present specifically. And it's a watch. Mm -hmm. Um, not unlike the one that he wanted earlier. Exactly. Um, and then there's, I can't remember exactly what the last, she kind of talks to camera. She does. That's so the final does she, aside. does she repeat the line or, um, she says, she says something along the lines of like, blessed are the children. And she's like, you know, through thick and thin, they endure. They, that's, abide. they, they abide. That's what they it is. Abide. They abide. That's children, what it is. children abide. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. And I, I see what you're saying about that last little sequence. I think it's, and again, I feel like you could cut the guard bit out of the start mm -hmm. and you could cut out this little bit here, like with the mob specifically. But also, I feel like it's just another element of, like, protecting children from kind of the evils of adults. Totally. It's just, like, like, one I... more comment of, like, why would you, like, why are they, like, the children shouldn't be seeing this either. Yeah. You know, like, it's just another kind of evil that the children have to, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, get, I, get, why, I get why it's here for the children's storyline. I just don't think it goes anywhere for the Powell storyline. Like, no. I wanted there to be some confrontation there of just it coming to fruition in some way yeah but it just it doesn't like doesn't. it just goes away yeah that's which true. is fine like it's not yeah. the end of the, again it's still a five star you gave it five stars yeah. but that was just that was the one thing that i kind of rubbed up against is that i'm like i don't know what this is here especially because like that moment with the money is such a good closer like you could end the movie there yeah and it'd be like yeah that's a great ending um i like i like the christmas ending i like the little button i like 
you know, children abide. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a nice little sentiment. Um, yeah. That's just the one thing that kind of stands out to me a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Night of the Hunter. Yeah, that's it's it. Damn good movie, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's really, it's really good. It's really good. Um, and as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, we're inherently like we, we inherently shot ourselves in the foot by doing an audio medium for visual <laughs> medium. Cause like so much in this movie is just what you're looking at. Like it's just, you got to look at some of the shots yeah. in this movie. Cause they're just gorgeous. There's beautiful shots. One I wanted to mention is earlier. There's a shot. I don't remember exactly what it is, but there's a shot of the house. I think it's when John and Pearl run away after they've locked him in the cellar. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like there's like a fog about it and it's just, it's almost like that famous shot from the exorcist. Like there's just such mm-hmm. like a beautiful, like dark and light kind of shot there. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Again, the river the shot with, um, with Cooper on the porch. It's just a really well shot movie. The only yeah. movie that, um, actor Charles, I think Charles Lawton was his name. Yeah. The only movie mm-hmm. he ever directed, uh, which yeah. is a shame. It is a shame. Um, it's obviously for 1955. It's pulling a lot from silent films. I I think, um, can't, I think the cinematographer wanted to pull a lot from D.W. Griffith's work, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not super familiar with beyond the racist movie. Sure. Um, so I can't comment on that. Um, but yeah, just a gorgeous a gorgeous movie to look at. Really haunting. You mentioned earlier something about the pacing. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, just that like. It, this movie's like 90 minutes in and out, right? Like yeah. it's pretty quick. Um, and I just love the fact that it feels methodical in the best way. Like it feels mm. very much like it takes its time for those moments of the river sequence and that quiet little moment with Cooper on the porch. And like it finds moments to breathe, even though a lot happens in this movie. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. And like things are constantly moving forward. So I, don't know, I just took note of that this time around of like watching it after like a really long day where like part of me is like, maybe I'll just squeeze it in like the day we record. Like maybe I'll just, I, I've just had a long day, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'll lay down in bed. I'll turn it on, on the TV and just watch it. And just like was impressed at how much it kept my attention at yeah. that point of just being exhausted, but I'm still just like fully locked in on this thing and just keeps moving and moving and moving. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of something that stood out. Totally. Yeah. Is there anything else that uh, stood out to you um, before we get into the criteria? Okay. So my grand thesis for this film, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but it, it I, I've like, it's, it's grown and dev- evolved in the years since. Yeah. Which is, I think this movie is like one of the er contenders for like the American fairy tale. Like if America has something to add to the grand folklore tradition of the world of fairy tales, I think this is it. Yeah. Cause this film feels so of a piece with like Grimm's fairy tales and those kinds of stories of just, yeah, here is a transformative journey the children are going to go on up against this monster, this antagonist, which is that line that I, I jump, I, I uh, noticed that you were bringing up of like, don't he ever sleep? 
Yeah. He's the boogeyman. Yeah, he is. He is a mythical monster. He's not a person in this movie. He is a supernatural force of nature, which just adds so much to that fairy tale quality. Yeah. Which something else you brought up, even though we were joking about it, that's why it was making me laugh. I was like, oh, this also still ties in. Icy Spoons is such a fairy tale name. Like all of these characters fit this broad stroke of the kind of archetypes you would be seeing in this kind of story. Yeah. And I love this story being told against the backdrop of the Great Depression. And specifically like the American South and how all of that just kind of bleeds into this sort of mysticism going on with all of that, of like that whole river sequence. It feels like it's this, like, I'm not sure how quite to describe this because thematically it's not the same, but tonally it is. It feels like a musical number aside in the middle of like Snow White or Cinderella. Like it feels like a Disney movie slice in the middle of this of like, hey, here is this very pretty, very haunting, very like magical realm of going down the river yeah. And it's kind of spooky and kind of sinister in the way that those fairy tales can be. Yeah. I but it also those, has this beauty to it. I think those early Disney cartoons is a really interesting comparison with like the Snow White, the Pinocchio, mm-hmm. kind of the Dumbo, like those kind of earlier ones of like, it has a similar feel to that that people talk about of like, oh, there's something weird about those movies. Those movies are kind of eerie. Yeah. And I think there's just something that this encapsulates I think a lot of the time with those, it's it's more of just like, oh, they're old. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like with this, it's like, I don't know, it kind of taps into that. I think what you're talking about, of like this this fairy tale, there's like a genuine kind of eeriness to children's stories that are meant to be cautionary tales, mm-hmm. right? Like in a lot of the time, you know, right. of like there are people out to get you if you are a small thing, right? right. If you are a little thing, there are big things that will try to get you. Mm-hmm. And... I also I also think that this is up there for me with something like Coraline as far mm-hmm. as like mm-hmm. children's horror movies um, that tap into something that when children's media taps into it is is, is a surefire success at being scary. Totally. <laughs> of like you are on your own against something that wants you. Like mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that can be so powerful in children's media that Oftentimes today, it feels like we don't really get into. Um, But I think there's something about main characters being children and there being some sort of supernatural force after them that is so scary. And I mean, again, like you're saying, that goes back to Grimm's fairy tales. That's a Hansel and Gretel, right? Yeah. So I think that's a very good comparison. I really like what you said there, Parker. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like it's just been on my mind a lot lately. Um, And it's been kind of gestating for the past year. But then like this time around, I was like, Oh, this is the Americana fairy tale, isn't it? Yeah. Like it just it fits so much of that in yeah. so many ways that just I don't know, I just love. That's just I don't know. That was something that stood out to me. Uh what about you? Any any things to add before we get to criteria? I don't think so. I think I think I'm good to to get into Oh, oh okay. I'll also say this. There are like some performances in this. Again, like there's moments of of um of Powell doing his Looney Tunes howl and cackle and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. There's a there's kind of like a sense of like humor to this movie. Yeah. Which also kind of helps. Um and again just kind of like this I think this unreal sense with like again like Icy Spoon, the way that she talks 
is mm-hmm. so kind of over the top a lot of the time. And she has so many deliveries that are just silly, like silly yeah. deliveries. And again, there's like those noises that Powell makes that are kind of silly. But I think it, again, it just kind of contributes to the overall sense of like a dreamlike quality, like totally. an, un, an unreal nature to it. Um, yeah. That I think supports what you're talking about with the fairy tale thing. But yeah, yeah it's, I a, good, think, I think it's a good observation. I like that that's, a lot. That's what I've got. Well, nice. let's, let's dive into the criteria. Okay. Uh, cultural and historical significance. So this movie didn't do well no, <laughs> when it came it out. Not. It did really poorly. And it was also not a huge, like they didn't spend a lot to make it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even seen as like a huge loss or anything. Yeah, it, it was just, just like, it just, eh, came just and went. It kind of came and went. Yeah. Um, didn't leave a huge, and then in the years since, it's kind of had a, it's, it's come back mm-hmm. strong, obviously, because it's a very good movie. Totally. Um, but it didn't really leave that much of like an impact, except for obviously the love and hate thing, which like yeah. you said, do the right thing. And also, you can cut this out. Mm-hmm. Should have given you a cleaner cut for that. It also makes an appearance, that reference, in Doctor Who Series 7, Episode 1, Asylum of the Daleks. <laughs> Amy Pond is doing a little photo shoot, and written in Sharpie, real shitty, is hate and love on her knuckles, and she like shows it off in the camera. She's doing a little photo shoot. Just love what Stephen Moffat thinks photo shoots might be. It's incredible. Anyway, anyway. Uh- um, no, that's yeah, I, no, that that absolutely stays in because also um, there's the episode is more overtly referencing uh, and satirizing Cape Fear, but there's mm. an extend there's there's an episode of The Simpsons that yeah. uh, includes um, Sideshow Bob, and he has uh, because they only have four fingers. The Simpsons, <laughs> his knuckles are love, L U V, and um, hate with like a pronunciation over the a so it's just hat and love which is really funny um and then the rest of it is more specifically like cape fear beat by beat but um, gotcha. that's that's kind of their little nod yeah. which again we've talked about before can also be a uh, a metric we can use is did the simpsons parody it we, we, weirdly the simpsons comes up like every week <laughs> As two people who haven't really watched much of The Simpsons. No, not much. Uh, yeah, um, great. So what's what's your consensus on this point? I think it goes to Citizen Kane. I think this movie is gorgeous and it's doing amazing things with film and with mm-hmm. shots and lighting. And like, ev- like the craft of this movie is gorgeous sure. and beautiful. But again, I don't know if it gets credit for that necessarily. I, I mean, it does. It gets credit. But I don't know if it like can surpass Citizen Kane if mm-hmm. like the most impact this movie made from its production was love-hate gags, you know? Yeah. I don't totally. know. What do you think? I think so. Like, I, yeah. I think I, they're I very think... comparable, though, as far I'd as just so. how they look. It's just that Citizen Kane did it in 1941. And also has just had more ripples through. More ripples through. Like, yeah. yeah. So I would, I would say so. I think Kane gets the point there. Yeah. Um, let's jump over to, let's get the easy one out of the way. Okay. Uh, like, uh, did you connect with this? Like, how well did you connect with this? Did you like personal preference, you know? Yeah, I connect with this movie a lot. This watch, I was a little distracted. I had a lot going on in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to like fully be like, oh, I love this. Yeah. The whole time I was just kept kind of kind of finding myself kind of thinking of other things, but it still held my attention. 
Sure. Um, but I do, but like, you know, the first time I saw it, and then the second time when I saw it with you, like, it connects and it hits. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I love watching a movie with you where <laughs> there'll just be a shot come up and one of us or both of us will just go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yep. this is one of those movies that I remember mm-hmm. distinctly was like, Jesus Christ, how'd they do that? That's yeah, amazing to look at. Verbally losing our minds <laughs> together. That's always such a good yeah. time. And, uh, um, but emotionally, obviously this works very well for me. I mean, I, yeah. I love, I again, I, I just, I love, and I didn't really mention it earlier, but the relief and the sense of just, oh, like the relief when she says no and he ain't no preacher neither mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah, the the, just... the the just the warmth and like the relief because you've been so tense this whole movie of no one is taking care of these kids. No one believes these kids. Mm-hmm. And when Birdie does, he's 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 not an incapacity to help these kids. And yeah. then for someone to just finally turn to him and go. You're yeah. And like when he's yeah. like, that ain't my pod. She's like, you're right. And also he's not a preacher. I'm going to get my gun. Like I see through everything on this. It's, it's, it's something that's so rare. Like rarely does a movie create that sensation in me of just being able to relax and just be like, and I want to cry just out of relief for Mm -hmm. these kids that someone is on their side. Somebody finally believes them. So yeah, the point goes to this more so than Citizen Kane, which I have a hard time connecting with historically. Yeah. I, just hard ditto to everything you already said. Like I just, I, this, this absolutely connects with me both times I've watched it now. I just really, really love this movie. Um, I just think it, I don't know. Like I said, there's something very tender to me about like kids in distress movies, just like get me just feeling very anxious and that relief that comes of like, Oh, there are people who care about them. There are people who are going to help them, like all yeah. those things. I just love all that. So, yeah. And also, when you saw it as a kid, you were terrified. <laughs> yeah, it scared the shit out of me. So, so yeah. can't say uh, that about Charlie Kane, can I? You, you were terrified of You were, I wasn't scared of Susie Kane. <laughs> the idea of your mom having to come in because you started crying in the middle of the night. Parker, what's wrong? I had that dream again. I had the dream again. Parker, we've talked about bed. this. Citizen Charles Foster Kane isn't under your bed. Orson Welles isn't in your closet. With specifically, the Orson Welles from uh, those wine commercial bloopers. He just comes out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's it's Orson oh, no. Welles from those wine commercials. Oh no. Um, 12 year old okay. Parker would be familiar with those. I would be. Go, yes. Oh no. It's, oh no. It's Orson Welles. From Orson Welles. Oh my. <laughs> you talked like that until you were 15. I did. I didn't. And then you started talking while. like Matt Smith's doctor who. Okay. <laughs> Look, I have phases. All right. Leave me alone. <laughs> all right. So second okay. criteria. How, how well. well it, yeah. Yeah. How everyone well is this knows movie doing deal. what it's trying to do. What do you think? I think it really works. I think so. I think it absolutely is. I think it, it doing is. a better job than Citizen Kane is the real question here. That is a good question. And um, I, I, a, a piece of evidence I'm going to bring to the table here really quick. Yes, yes. Is that um, when Charles Lawton initially met with Lillian Gish mm-hmm. about why he wanted her for the part, he replied, his answer to her was, 
when I first went to the movies, because she was a silent film star, like that's, yeah. the, that's the big crucial piece of information about this. Yeah. He says, when I first went to the movies, they sat in their seats straight and leaned forward. Now they slump down with their heads back and eat candy and popcorn. I want them to sit up again. Mm. So that is the mission statement of this movie is he yeah. wants audience members locked in. He wants yeah. them leaning forward. He wants them fully engaged with the thing that they're watching. Yeah. So with that presented, mm. I think this movie hits that out of the park. Because literally, yeah. time, I, was, I was playing it. I was teeing myself up. I was ready. <laughs> that was my experience. I had everything going against myself. It was yep. 11.30 at night. I was lying in my bed. The lights were off. I have fallen asleep more times than I can count watching movies like in that exact same space and position, just lying down and be like, okay, I'm watching this, but I'm just, I think I'm just going to doze off. Right. Yeah. And I kind of thought I was like, I'm going to refresh my memory a little bit. I'll go to sleep. If I need to go pick it back up the second half of it tomorrow, I will. Yeah. I could not go to sleep watching this movie. Yeah. I was fully locked in on this thing. And like, even the couple times I had to like get up to go to the bathroom, I pause the movie, which I usually don't do if I've seen the movie, if I'm just trying to get through it, like, you know, yeah. just keep it on and turn it up a little bit more so I can hear it. But pause the movie because I'm like, I don't want to miss anything. I want to watch yeah. this. I want to be fully engaged. So I think he absolutely achieved what he wanted to achieve. Audience sitting straight up, leaning forward, engaging with this thing. I think it's doing a better job of that than what Kane is trying to accomplish of mm. my we've been doing this for nine months now. Right. <laughs> and I've been thinking well. a lot about like, what is citizen Kane? Excuse me. What is citizen Kane trying to do? Yeah. Based on all of the context and what I know about in the reading, I think it's trying to be a send up of Hearst. I think yep. it's supposed to be a diss track on Hearst. And I think it does an okay job of that. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think yeah. it's doing what it's trying to do. Sure. But people don't remember the movie because it's a diss track on Hearst. They remember it because it's Citizen Kane because right. of this influence it has on specifically filmic technique. Like that is why the movie's remembered rather than, I don't think that's what Orson Welles set out to do. I don't think he sat mm. down and was like, I'm going to make a movie that is going to pioneer film techniques because there are people who do that like james yeah. cameron makes avatar <laughs> specifically because he's like i'm pushing the boundary that's what he is attempting to do yeah and that is the only thing he does in those movies <laughs> for the record he's doing a good oh no parker if we ever cover avatar we have to give the point to avatar <laughs> oh no because he is he, he is pushing the boundaries he's, he's pushing the boundaries but all this to say i think yes. night of the hunter is doing a better job of what it's trying to accomplish. You know what? I agree. You didn't have to convince me, but I agree. <laughs> we got him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you didn't get anything, but I agree. <laughs> I was already there, and you got me there, and I was already there. So lovely. I walked right. into the room, and you said, you're in the room now. And I went, I sure yes, am. <laughs> I sure am. Um, okay, so, so yeah. two out of three, according to our criteria, Night of the Hunter is better than Citizen Kane. Um, I, taking our objective, subjective setback. It is. It, it is. It is. is. Yeah, duh. It is. This is a really it's, good movie. It's a really good movie. Check this out, guys. It's really great. You gotta check this out. <laughs> you gotta watch this movie. Real um, spooky, real good movie. 
yeah, a really great way of opening up September. Leading yeah, into leading some a, spooky you know, vibes. we're playing with it. You yeah. know, we're playing with with the kind of scary times. Yeah, Max um, Max was willing to uh, indulge me because I historically I begin my Halloween celebrations September first through October thirty first. It's a two month ordeal for me, and he threw me a bone by creeping in a, a slight a slight yeah. taste of some some spooky times. And and I threw you two bones actually. I'm going to give myself credit. Oh <laughs> no, because initially I had I had put a different movie here that also leaned into the into the scary vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saved you the trouble of, you of watching. Auto, I want to watch Auto this Pre- movie. No, you. I want to watch this movie. <laughs> Otto Preminger's uh, Bunny Lake is missing. Everyone, add that to the list that we have of movies we almost watched that we didn't, including Brick and Space Jam: A New Legacy. <laughs> Throw Bunny Lake on the list too. Um, but anyway, we'll get to those. Not all yeah. of those. We'll get to two of those eventually. Uh, speaking of getting to movies, Max, what are we, what are we checking out? So yeah. Um, yeah. Moving, moving, uh, unfortunately away from the, from the scary vibes a little bit. I, in my heart, September is still kind of summer. It's always like, I love Parker indulging, uh, Halloween (laughs) and I love engaging in that with him, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a believer in that necessarily specifically, but I do love and I look forward to Parker, don't get mad. I, I uh, look. All I'm hearing <laughs> is that I lean on Jesus and you lean on the everlasting arm. That's what I'm gathering. One of us is of a yes. pure faith. <laughs> yeah, and me, I've, I've, I've formed my own twisted version uh, with, with, with Halloween, which is that September is a weird in between of summer <laughs> and scary. And what Halloween do you subscribe to, preacher? I subscribe to the one worked out between me and fall itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So next week we are continuing our journey into a little Americana folk tales of sorts mm-hmm. by watching Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited about it. I've been I'm I've been excited. wanting to watch this movie for months and I just kept not getting around to it. Uh, so I'm excited. Now you I'm got excited. a reason. Now I got a reason. My podcast content baby content baby so anyway everyone uh look forward to a brother art though next week yeah well thanks everyone so much for tuning in yeah we appreciate it and uh we'll catch you next time catch you next time Woo.